Hey, Chris. Hi, Jake. Uh, Jacob. Did you know, Chris? What? Uh, that it is. Uh, August 25th, 2016. Uh, all I know is that it is Idle Thumbs 277, and I'm Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. I don't know. Eh? I know. I know you're Nick Brecken. Hmm. I've always known you're Nick Brecken. I've always known <laughs> you're Nick Brecken. That's good. I'm Jake Rodkin. Eh. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. Hey. Hi. You want to talk about some video games? Sure. Nice. Deus Ex came out, and I'm really excited that a new Deus Ex game is out because uh, I liked the last one a lot. Um, but I've barely been able to play it um, for <laughs> a variety of reasons, including the fact that yesterday I uh, tripped... No, the day before yesterday, I tripped a circuit in my apartment when I was using too many kitchen devices at the same time. Mm. And mm. I went to reset it, and then I accidentally flicked the one... Th- that my computer runs on as well. Oh, and so then your computer turned off and you didn't know what to do. So my, yeah, and then it wouldn't turn back on again. Uh, oh. Yeah, it was very bad. Uh, I think I blew out my, my power supply, so I had to order a new one overnight from Amazon, and then I ordered a new case as well because my old case had basically become... I, I realized that, like, I had... <laughs> you were like, well, might as well get a new case for this computer. Well, because I... so. You had to okay, upgrade your you guys on. Know, you what's the, it, what's the, para- what's the paradox yeah. where, like, you know the paradox where, uh, maybe it's not a paradox, but it's one of those ancient Greek things that one of those ancient Greek guys talked about, mm. where, like, the ship of something, where- <laughs> Should have done that in the George Theseus? W. Bush voice. The sh- yeah, the ship of Theseus. <laughs> wow, nice pull. Um, so, where the ship is, like, on a voyage, and as it's on the voyage, they replace- like every individual mm-hmm. bit of it over the course of the voyage, is it still the same ship? Like it's, it's looks identical to how it did before because in each case you're just replacing one little piece, but then by the end of it you've replaced every single piece in the whole ship. Is it still the same ship? Like versus, you know, catastrophic damage, you have to like rebuild it. It's essentially total and you rebuild it. Is that the same ship? Like, oh, maybe not, but what's the difference? Like in both cases, you've replaced all the materials. So anyway, my computer is basically like a much shittier ship of Theseus that has existed for like a decade now. I think I first built this computer in like 2006 when I was living in the original apartment where we used to record this podcast. And I think every single part had been replaced except for the case. So it's not quite a ship of Theseus. And, uh, but that meant that it's basically just been like a decade long lint collector. Like I realized I have this box that has like traveled with me across the country twice, like in two different States and like four different cities. And you know, who knows how many apartments and, uh, everything else inside of it had been like, ah, new, nice new piece. Anyway, I'm just putting it inside this box of dirt. That I basically tote around in the, and like there were holes in the front of it because I Your no longer have blaster? as many. Yeah, there was like mm-hmm. old drive bays that I'm no longer using. Like my old floppy disk drive is no longer in there, and like my old sound cards are no longer in there. So they're just holes because I long since lost, you lost the original those little plates guards. that came. Yeah, those little plates. Yeah. So it was just a piece of shit. So I so I I ordered a new computer case when I ordered the new power supply and I rebuilt the whole thing and I did like the thing that Jake you suggested that I said I wasn't going to do which was route all the cables through the backside so when you open the main panel you don't see most of the cables 
Computers look so nice when oh, you when you take the other plate off and run all the power leads and the and the yeah. IDE leads back yeah. there. Oh, it's so nice. And then when all that was done, you had just enough time. I I'm betting to play the shitty to first download, mission. Like yeah, <laughs> fifty gigabytes of this game. This game is so huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah I guess games are just big now. I mean, I games are this all game's fifty gigs now. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So it took me you know like an hour to download that, and then I I, I yeah I had exactly enough time. Um, before I finally just like had to go to bed to play through the bad mission. Mm. Why? I mean, that's a thing in games in general, but it seems like it's also specifically a ga- a thing in the last two Deus Ex games. Yeah, I think that there must be a um, I, you know not having worked on a game like this at that scale, I I'm sure there must be on the team some kind of unavoidable. Um, People need to learn how to do everything in a very controlled way, but right. ad- additionally. They need to learn forty minutes of characters walking through hallways <laughs> and saying exposition yeah. to each other. This game could have been worse in that regard. Although I did skip the thing that's like, would you like to watch a twelve-minute recap of the previous game? Oh, it's like, nope. And you know, to this game's to this game's credit, this is the new Deus Ex game, Deus Ex: Mankind Divided, I believe is the name of the game. Yeah. And uh, you know, it wasn't the the like super guided tutorial bits where it's like literally go here, go here, go here. Those are optional, and you can sort of launch them. In the game, like so, when you hit a point where the game's like, "I'm going to teach you how to use stealth now, or use cover, or whatever," you can go into that tutorial mode, and it will sort of overlay the tutorial mode on top of the level you're in. Mm-hmm. But you can also just not do it, which is nice. Um, so the thing that was that was honestly more frustrating to me about this mission is that it felt like such generic video game. It was like you're going to Dubai, and then you fight people who are speaking Arabic, and it's not explicitly about like terrorism, but it has those overtones in the way that sort of every just f- ends up feeling like a call of like a modern sort of warfare. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like I, a call I, of duty. <laughs> I don't know. It just feels like the least inspired choice. Yeah. Right. It's like, I don't do we. Do it's, we, it's super frustrating, especially considering you, you, you know that whatever comes after this opening sequence is going to be. Yeah, everyone says the hub in this game is great. The hub in the last game was great too, it right? It was, yeah. They, they, that was like, in that game, that was the moment where that game unfolded into feeling like amazing. And I expect that this one will feel great too. I'm just, it was just such a bummer to go. Because in a game, you know, the amount of time I spent just playing that opening stuff is like, I could have watched most of a movie in that time. And like, why am I playing just kind of well, You like, could have. You had the opportunity to spend 12 minutes watching one, that's Chris. That's true. <laughs> and it's like, why am I just playing not as good version of this video game? You know, like what's the what value is that adding? And it's just, yeah. You know, the story is also like people with augmentations are like not are like hated by society, and you know they're like lashing back. And there was this, you know, and so on and so on. That's fine, but that also feels like just such an overdone concept at this point. Like that's what every superhero movie is now. It's mm-hmm. like, or like the, it's what X Men movie already was like a decade ago, and now that's you know and. It, People with crazy abilities are basically being treated like marginalized people in the real world. And um, I don't know. Mm. It's my hope that at least some axes uh, uh, that you're talking about are on the way out. I mean, it seems like in the last six to nine months, a lot of the bigger releases that we've talked about, we've been surprised by the fact that the opening tutorial mission seems to be either crunched way down or removed and talking about sort of like uh 
I think it was. It might have been the Tomb Raider game. Man, which was it? There were a few games we were talking about right in a row there. Probably Hitman uh, as well. Yeah, Hitman as well. In the in the beginning of this year, that we're like, oh, okay, these these are games that have huge production values, and maybe I think we said oh, maybe because of Minecraft, who knows, are less afraid of just throwing the player into the systems right off the bat, mm-hmm. and hearing. Hearing you and a lot of other people talk about Deus Ex opening the way that it does, it just it feels uh, it feels like a choice that's like a half generation out of step to me at this point. I, th- I think that's true, but I am really looking forward to to getting into the hub because it's in Prague, I think, and that mm-hmm. seems yeah. like a really cool setting, and I'm looking forward to that. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that the, like Dubai itself is like an intrinsically bad setting. It would be cool to play a game set there that's like, oh, the skyscrapers are like crazy and like nothing anywhere else, and tall and not destroyed. Like that that would be cool. Uh, maybe there is. So a you want like, like a crackdown Dubai? I don't know. <laughs> oh man, that would actually be really good. I know, Chris. That's why I pitched oh, it. Wow, yeah. I do. Well, I did. <laughs> I had to spend like two seconds remembering what crackdown, what the implications of a crackdown game were, and then I remembered. Oh right, of course you t- climb to the top of the highest building yeah. and mm-hmm. like the little green orb. And a leap off of it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Man, crackdown was so fun. What a good game. Anyway. I'm sorry for just bagging on Deus Ex. I mean, I, I haven't played enough of it to, like, have much of an opinion. It was just, you know, it was a bummer that, like, certain very specific things that I've already been tired of were just the first thing I encountered. It freaks me out a little bit because I'm a person who getting me into a Deus Ex game is always an ordeal, even though I know that I'll like it once I get into the meat of it. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's like it's like going to a party that I know that I'll enjoy once I, like, get through through into the door and like get myself like a, right, a the snack social like, awkwardness yeah, of once like I all the push my way through all the room of people, and then like okay. find the place and like yeah, drink yeah. uh you know uh have a sip of something mm-hmm. and then sort of see someone i know then like i'm having a good time limber up a bit yeah but like loosen man, those neurons those like that the opening of games like this feel like that to me where i like it feels like i have to push through the whole awkward part of like get myself out of the apartment get in the car get like a little ways into a party and then like I mean, i'm like okay it's great i'm like, gl- i'm glad i came like deus ex part of what makes that initial party opening awkward for you is that you arrive in wraparound shades and mm. a long black trench coat <laughs> And you're you you're feel, saying I'm making you it feel, harder for myself. Yeah, you feel yeah, very out time. of place. You're like it's <laughs> I'm really out of not uh, at ease in true. this situation. Also, when you said like Deus Ex, it sounds like you're referring to the protagonist as yeah. Deus Ex. You know yeah. when Deus Ex yeah. shows up in his trench coat and, X. and shades. <laughs> God, oh, someone's name being that Mister <laughs> X, <laughs> uh, Deus Ex, <laughs> Steve Gainer's child. <laughs> Oh, Deus Ex Gainer. Yeah. Square Enix will pay any family. <laughs> Deus Ex Gainer. Naming your kid Deus Ex is amazing. <laughs> well, Steve got God a, from Steve, my last name. Steve, Steve, Steve got a free uh, Deus Ex season pass from Square Enix for naming his first kid that. <laughs> that tattoo is never coming out, though. It's never going away. <laughs> Steve probably has a Deus Ex tattoo. Probably. He has an 0451 tattoo, which is close enough. Yeah. You know? 0451 already showed up in the amount that I've played at this game. So. so there you go. Yeah. yeah. It would. I just put that in without even thinking about it, and the door opened, and I was like, okay, great. <laughs> like, presumably, there's a way to find it, because obviously, you can't <laughs> assume anyone knows that. There's like a mm-hmm. there's like a tired montage of, uh, like, some sort of film of basically, like, X-Men underground compounds, but it's just tired gamers all going to work on <laughs> everyone punching in to just yeah. to just get into the fucking perfunctory door. Yeah. Um, anyway. A uh, secret code. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yes. But you guys played the uh, phone. We did. Oh, wait, game. one thing real quick. Oh, yeah. Sorry, talk about Steve having that stupid tattoo. <laughs> a, a video game in which there is a locked door early on, and there is also a dead nerd, and the way that you get in <laughs> is by reading their tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the puzzle. Like some fucking, the, yeah. like some fucking CSI fiction? game. What is yeah, the yeah. fictional reason for that? Oh, like it is like a CSI situation and like an elite pro gamer has been killed and they keep stuff in their safe and the code to that person's safe is 0451. Oh, and you as, le- as just like the, the buddy cop partners who know nothing about this strange world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do a like an L.A. Noir investigation. Oh, and so turn- you come in, you, you presumably come into the scene after people have been milling around the crime scene for a while, not getting anywhere. And then you out of the corner of your eyes spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tattoo. And it goes. Yeah. When you see it. Oh. And then sort of then their arm sort of starts pulsing once you see it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> this is different than I was expecting. No, no, no. This is just L.A. Noir, uh, except that you find Steve Gainer's tattoo oh, and get into so, his safe. So it's, yeah. the, it's glowing in a non-diagetic way. Yes. If you're right. not like a psychic. No, no, no. I no. mean, you could. You're not the mentalist. <laughs> if, if, this is, if this is a Quantic Dream uh, investigation game, if it's a game, if it's an. Uh, yeah, the, the tattoo on the arm glows and then the corpse turns into a, like a huge walking cockroach or something. No. Quantic no. Dream is no. uh, is uh, <laughs> Heavy Rain and that new Android detective yeah. game. Didn't they also make Fahrenheit? Oh, they did. You're right. So oh, maybe yeah, maybe yeah, it yeah, 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 cockroach and everyone cockroach. hangs onto a helicopter or whatever. Anyway, sorry, we played Deus Ex Go, <laughs> which is <laughs> just like what I'm that's, describing. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Deus Ex Go is the what third? Yes, think so, game yeah. in this in the Go series. Um, well, fourth, fourth game, game following Pokemon Go. Go. Oh. Um, I'm following Go. Oh, fifth game. <laughs> oh, so we, have G- <laughs> we have Go, Hitman Go, Lara Croft, Croft Go, Pokemon, Pokemon Go, Go, and now and Deus Ex Go. Deus Ex Go. There were a couple aberrations in the in the series. It's yeah. like Zelda 2, Mario 2 type situation, mm-hmm. where one of them is an Except ancient game, case, and one of them is an, R, an AR game with Pokemon. The Mario 2 of this series ended up becoming the canonical one, which is Go. You know, I mean, Go is like this formula. <laughs> what are we doing? Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Bye. Anyway, what is Hitman Go, Chris? Um, Hitman, it's the third game in the Go series. <laughs> Hitman Go, the fifth game in the Go series, like two of its predecessors, um, takes a uh, franchise owned by Square Enix, or I mean, formerly IDOS, and reinterprets it as a sort of single-player turn-based puzzle game in which you move around a kind of grid grid like a sort of like a little node map and as you move enemies also move so you move once enemies move once you move once enemies move once one one space at a time and each one of these games has other mechanics in it that sort of boil down some of the elements of their um, sister kind of console and PC games to like just a a little bite-sized mechanic and so um, you know, Lara Croft Go had, you know, you threw spears at enemies and stuff, and uh, Hitman Go, you, you know, would sometimes find sniper rifles and take out an enemy across the map. And in, in Deus Ex Go, there's a, a, increasingly, as you progress through the game, there's more and more usage of, like, hacking computer terminals to modify the board. So, you know, you can hack into a computer terminal, and that will allow you to sort of route that terminal into, let's say, three different other endpoints on the board, one of which will, like, turn an enemy turret to your control, and one of which will sort of 
um, fill in a segment of floor that would otherwise be a gap. And, you know, one of them will fill in a different segment of floor. And when you fill in that one, it will now like open up a patrol route for an enemy that couldn't otherwise move. And maybe now that you've done that, um, that enemy will walk in front of a turret so that you can pass by without the turret shooting you. And then you get to the other side and maybe you disconnect that computer terminal and now the enemy is trapped on one That's side funny. of the floor. That sounds like it's actually just, it, it, not just, but it sounds like it's an evolution or a next step of the pressure plates that they introduced in Lara Croft Go. Cause, cause kind Hit, of, Hitman yeah. Go was like, obviously it's the first one, it was the most sort of simple and clean, not in a bad way simple, like it was just oh, yeah, the most really pared down. Oh yeah, clean. Where it was almost entirely about navigating the world so that when you're game piece moved onto a guard's game piece the guard wasn't facing you uh, so you could take it out and that mm-hmm. was it and then Lara Croft Go introduced most notably that you could either sort of like kite enemies onto pressure plates that would make the world move or you could walk on them and it would open or close routes or spin an enemy around or whatever so it seems this the hacking thing seems yeah. like that but now you since since they have the computer metaphor and not just a, an Indiana Jones stone turning around you mm-hmm. can and do more complicated things for sure and i and the thing that so when i started playing this game my first thought was okay it's another one of these and i you know it took me a few levels of kind of feeling like okay it's basically you know more go in the style of uh hitman or lara croft but but then the more i i've gotten into it i've i really I think this series is just absolutely great. And I think the way that they manage each time to really drill down into some difference between the three games, like to some extent, they're kind of just deciding to make the mechanics different. It's like without, it's not as though any of these games really truly mirror their console counterparts, but that doesn't matter. That's not really the point. Like the point is they're taking the differences in their console and PC counterparts and using those to explore just different ways you could make one of these little turn-based puzzle games. And so um, the different one of the differences, anyway, between this game and what you're describing in, in Lara Croft Go and the, is that in Lara Croft Go, enemies will follow you so you can kite them around. But in, in um, Deus Ex Go, all enemies will only execute a specific patrol route. And so if you, if you enter into an enemy's um, line of sight... They will start moving towards you, but they will only go like they will only stay along that straight path. If you then turn around a corner, they will move to the last point at which they saw you, but they won't keep following you. Right. Mm. And so it kind of it's like sort of softly approximating the idea that in a stealth game, enemies you can kind of like treat them like idiot robots a little bit as mm-hmm. long as you're careful by kind of just getting out of their way and then they'll give up and go back to their post. You know, so enemies will always try to return back to their post if you shake yep. them. The other thing that the, this game does on top of that that I really liked having played the other Go games is when you do aggro an enemy and it sees you, there's like this fictional thing where they have like a charge shield or something, but mm. it shows on the node map, it draws a red line in the direction they're going to go and how far they're going to chase you. Like if there's a really long straightaway, sometimes a guy will only run either up to the point that you are or, like, only, like, N nodes before turning around where it's, like, they just... It, I think they'll always run to the last... To the point to where they you, saw you. To where you. they saw you and yeah. then they'll stop. Yeah. yeah. Then it, they'll but, turn around. Yeah. Yeah, but just being able to see that line visualized mm-hmm. uh, is, is huge. Anyway. Yeah, well, and it and it makes that, that patrol route thing, like, more explicit. Yeah. And so, anyway, my, my point with, like, explaining that difference is not that 
it's not that it's like better than the Lara Croft system. It's just that it's different and it changes the way the game plays more than you'd think. Just, you know, considering the fact that it looks exactly the same and the UI is very similar. Um, and it means that they just can design totally different kinds of puzzles. So at the beginning, for the first kind of set of puzzles, so you're solving a lot of similar sorts of puzzles as you were in the previous game. But the farther the game goes in, once you really start using the uh, the the uh, sort of hacking mechanic and these patrol routes get more complicated, and then there's like sort of mech robot enemies that are introduced that have their own behavior, including undoing your computer routing like it's just they just throw these other very simple stripped down mechanics in there that tweak the base systems enough that you can solve an entire like a totally new set of challenges relative to the ones you solved in the last game and i've just i'm it feels like pure game design in a really cool way i mean it's like it's really awesome that there is a studio at a major publisher that is making franchise games that are this game designy, you know, just like pure, 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 pure game design. It's really, mm-hmm. really cool. And they're there's an analogy in like in Fallout Shelter, maybe. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I just think these games are great. Sorry, what, Nick? Just uh, remind me these are these are published by Idos, yeah. Or... Yeah, Idos is Square Enix now. So oh, right. um, I think yeah. they're still called Idos Montreal. No, maybe they're Square. I, I think it Square is Square Enix Montreal. Montreal. Yeah, I yeah. kind of forgot what the relationship was in terms of. Uh, they're just fully owned. But they're just fully owned yeah. now. Okay. Oh, the the owned. the Chris, you and I were talking before we recorded, and I was wondering if maybe the campaign in this game is shorter than in previous ones. And the reason that I was wondering that is because, in addition to the single or not single player, in addition to the the just fixed campaign there's a second button in the main menu which is called live where it seems like every day there's a new daily challenge that they're putting out but they don't they don't either they don't oh that's right they initially didn't let me play it until i had played uh at least through the first chapter of the single player and i'm not sure if that's the case anymore but yeah i think you can choose to just do it yeah it puts up a recommendation but yeah there's in addition to the fixed campaign they they seem to be either every week or every few days putting new content up which I think it's every week okay I'm not sure about that but yeah um, I mean I'm uh, I'm 42 levels in um, I mean it seems like a pretty decent okay. long campaign I don't know how many more there are but uh, you know I've played a lot of levels of this game and there's there are more um, so but yeah it's I don't know it's good I mean p- man I have to say part of the part of my <laughs> It's interesting talking about two Deus Ex games back to back, and I know this is not obviously a fair or direct comparison, but it is so nice to play this game where you just immediately, you load it up and you immediately just start playing the actual real game that you're playing. You know, whereas I'm playing this other Deus Ex game, and I know that they're only, they're not actually related in any way other than, yeah. And uh, some Mm -hmm. aesthetics. Yeah, but it it does draw sharp relief between the ki- just the assumptions we make about mobile games and the assumptions we make about full scale console and PC games, um, and I'm, it's not to say that there are like precisely applicable lessons or best practices you can draw from one to the other because again there are a lot of other considerations, um, but it it you know there is something to be said for that sensation of like I downloaded this game and I can just start very quickly, maybe not instantly, but like pretty quickly getting the thing out of it that the point of the game is. Yeah, it seems like there's there's still a 
conception across, it seems like, the large majority of video game development that once your game is 3D, that is not allowed because people just aren't going to yeah. understand how to interact with it. Like, yeah. if obviously, unless you're Minecraft, I guess. Uh, and I don't, I don't feel like I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure that's still true for a lot, for a lot of, you know, I mean, I'm sure that there's like a chunk of the audience that just, you know, buys fewer games a year, is less familiar with. But the funny thing about the sex level is that it still felt like a, I did not feel like an approach. Like the first level wasn't like just super dumb tutorial. It was a full on video game, right? You know, so it's not as though if you didn't know what you're doing, you would just skate through it. Um, I mean, maybe the answer is like design those things to be sort of narratively superfluous and just say, or to, you can skip that. Like you can just tell the player. I still think you that can skip both it. both Half Life One and the first Bioshock are like pristine examples of how to ease people into understanding how your world works and mm. how your mechanics work and whatever else, but not feel like they're fucking it up. And it's because they don't, they let you spend a lot of time inhabiting the world and a lot of time inhabiting your, the physicality of your character and the basic verbs. And then, then they hand you, here's how you interact. Here's how you con- uh, fight that's with someone. True. You know, that's a good, that's a really good point. I think the, the applicable thing to this situation is that those games both put you directly into the actual place the games are set. Mm-hmm. If I were doing all the shit that I was doing in this level, but I was in a really cool environment, yeah. I think I probably would have been a lot happier about it. Right. I think part of why I was just annoyed by like this weird, like you're you're in Dubai ruined zone. Yeah. But I don't know. Anyway, I'll stop belaboring that point because I've talked about it so much. Well, okay, yeah. No, no, I don't know if you have another thing just, to say. I think, well, I don't know. I, I haven't played this, this Deus Ex, but... So I I don't this is not in regards to that game in particular, but I think the other thing that is just generally smart about the way that Half Life One and Bioshock One open, and I mean Half Life Two and Bioshock Infinite, whatever those games and Bioshock Two, fuck, uh, and Half Life <laughs> Lost Coast okay, and Opposing right, Force, uh, first Minerva's Den, Minerva's Den, great DLC, Blue Bioshock Shift. Two multiplayer, <laughs> yeah. Uh, popular half-life fan levels uh no just the way that the way that the games like that open is they sort of they pick if you're like we're going to teach people the history of the world and the history of their character and how to move your character and how to engage in combat and how to do complicated interaction like if there's like it seems like they just pick about half to two-thirds of the things that you need to know and make sure you're familiar with those in a dedicated chunk as opposed to like at least my experience with Deus Ex Three felt like they were trying to make sure that by the end of that tutorial I had been lore dumped, made familiar with my character, taught how to move, taught how to fight, taught how to like navigate the space, taught how to open and close my inventory, and it was just like I bet that I don't need all of these things to be shown to me. I bet you could just figure out enough pieces to let me feel comfortable, and then start laying stuff in over the main game. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 a it's a common thing like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, tutorials are tough. Yeah, yeah, they are. But it, it's when it's when your tutorial stops being a tutorial and starts becoming introduce the player to every single thing in the game, mm-hmm. so that then when the real game starts, they're fully prepared and already have right. are on the road to mastery of all systems. Like, yeah, yeah. I, you know, yeah. The thing that's so tough about uh, so. Yeah, I don't even know. It's it's hard because, you know, uh, there's something really nice about sort of finding stuff 
yourself. And then the flip side of that is when a player plays through the entire game without even knowing half of the yes. inputs exist, which I think, you know, um, as I recall, Bioshock 1... Oh, yeah, to Bioshock 1's detriment, from, who from the hell that. uses half the plasmids who ever upgrades a gun in that game? Like, probably not most people. Yeah. yeah. Or, like, you touch... I mean, I'm sure you... a lot of people listening to this podcast Yeah, did, but I mean... But, like, but I just know from having worked at Irrational that that kind of thing was a problem. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm sure for most for most people who are game developers who listen to this, they you probably... I don't know. The the first level of your game, like in a game like like a Deus Ex or a Bioshock, or like the first like two or three levels, are probably the ones that uh, six months after your game is out, you just wish to all hell that you could go back you and rip them, them apart yeah. and redo all of it yeah. in a completely different way. Because now that you now that the game is all done and you've had a chance to sit with it and you've seen people play it, you're just like, yeah. okay, I know what this needed to be. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> also, if anyone who worked on uh, the new Deus Ex game is listening. I'm excited to keep playing the game. Yeah, holy I, shit! This <laughs> is not. This is not like. Uh, yeah, this know, is not actually a, a negative conversation about this game. Sorry, yeah. this is. Uh, and to anyone else who's listening, who's tired of, of of us talking about talking it. about that, we're done now. Bye. We're gonna go play it for, forever now. <laughs> um, Nick, you played Planet Coaster. I. And you love did. it. I love it. You were posting. You couldn't get over yourself on Twitter last night about how good I this game is. I couldn't do it. And then you posted screenshots from it, mm-hmm. and I had no idea that it looked like that. Mm. It looks really nice. Yeah, I kind of just be- should have listened to me when I talked about it on the podcast. Last I did, night, Chris. But, but I think I think <laughs> the thing that I imagined when you were describing it was I just yeah. didn't update my mental image from right. old roller coaster tycoon games. Well, and, and to be fair, I talked about a lot of those games that are out right now, which still look like that mm. um, and are following that model. But this game is not. It, this game is crazy. It also felt like er, early on in Planet Coaster's development, because it's, it's been a sort of live development, early access type thing, there wasn't as much like accoutrement out in the world other than the roller coasters. Like At least the early images um, that even that you showed, it looked like it didn't look wacky and cartoony but i feel like the stuff that people are doing now they're just the sheer volume of yeah it's of helping. content stacked into a theme park makes it very apparent what the yeah. aesthetic is and it's you're just so, making it so Disneyland. what is the so yeah describe what this how this game looks and feels if you can at all um i mean so god it's got kind of a and th- this game actually real quick this game is an early access right planet yes, coaster yeah so you can get yeah. it on steam you, it, well it launched on steam on i guess tuesday um, in full or in early access? In early access, in early access. Sorry. It was oh, previous, so but it was previous to that, like, you could get it on the website. It was just right, on the okay, developer's okay, page. I see. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, aesthetically speaking, it's more along the lines of something like SimCity, like the mm-hmm. recent SimCity. Like SimCity, yeah. Um, where the uh, the actual characters, like the people walking around your park, are stylized, and the architecture is just gorgeous and just fucking, like... Um, I mean, like as you say, Jake, probably like the, I think this thing launched in in the first like the first alpha around like April, and they had kind of the very basic building blocks in, but now they've reached. And I was waiting. I kind of I didn't play a lot of this game because I knew there was going to be this like threshold moment of yeah. it crossing over and becoming worthwhile. As like, all right, now I'm going to build my thing, and it's going to I'm going to spend a billion hours making something that looks good. Um, and yeah, it seems like that's the point that they've reached where you can go into the little folder, um, like the little uh, like scenery folder, and there's just so much stuff that you can basically is, make anything you want to. Is that the main difference from when you last played is this volume of content? And I mean, does that feel like, does it essentially feel like you're playing basically a, a fully realized game 
that just could have more stuff in it. Yeah, the they also added the actual like theme park management stuff, like that, mm, that layer. Right, okay, which yeah. without that, it's kind of yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's like that's. I mean, that's actually the problem I have with City Skylines, where that game feels still to me a little sandboxy. Whereas if you the go disaster back, pack has finally shown up for City Skylines now. Oh, yeah. They, so it's it's that's good. So you can have like a a weird like dinosaur. They have act, they have city. acts of God uh, <laughs> are either in or are on their way into that game now. So if you want to have things to things to fuck you up you're well if that's what yeah. if that's what you like i don't know uh no the thing actually the thing that i miss in that series that like SimCity 4 last did well which is is just giving you like a ramp like a like a basically like a, a challenge curve throughout the sort of life of your city like you hit just certain blocks and you go okay i need more residential at this point well then that's going to unfold like a billion other challenges that i didn't realize i was going to have to right. deal with and like that's a really hard thing to create yep. within a systemic game like this yeah, yeah yeah definitely um and i feel like that's the thing that cities just kind of eh, like they added tourism but it's not it doesn't really ever push up against the systems in a way that makes you have to worry about it. City and seems like it's it is like you said more about just like having fun building a grandiose, yeah. Yeah. cool city, and which, I, is, which is totally fine for me. Yes, but I know insufficient for a, a brick. Well, it's not insufficient. I mean, I'll, I, it's disappointing, Chris. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, like you I want that you want that poop to back up and everyone to be mad. Oh, at yeah. you. No, I yeah. want that poop to back up like every day. <laughs> I want to just be like covered in poo, just like running around my city. So your theme park panicked. Yes. Uh, so my theme park is a Welcome gorgeous place. <laughs> well, yeah, I called it Dump Town, so that's fine. <laughs> Where the poo piles up yeah. <laughs> with the fun. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, there is a giant turd uh, in my in my theme park right now. Did you so. did you sculpt that with the terrain tool? No, I didn't. It's it was a prefab. What? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it just comes with a giant turd. Yeah, it does. Every emoji um, is available as a, as a prop. Right. Yeah, including levitating businessman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Levitating man in business suit. In business suit, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, I, th- I I suspect that this game will end up being more akin to cities in that way, where the theme park management stuff is in there. It's kind of just a light background thing, but really what this game is is it feels like just a sandbox tool, and the tool itself is just fucking crazy. Like, they basically made... Um, like, on the surface level, you can just place prefabs, and it's fine. Like, if you just want to just play a stupid theme park game it's fun you can just you know put your little teacups here and draw a road and do whatever and it just works fine but that's already super impressive to me by the way but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah no it's great <laughs> uh but then underneath that there's like probably like the second of three layers which is that um all the prefabs there's there's essentially like a building component and when i say building like when you start placing a prefab it creates a new building that the game like you know, recognizes as a separate entity from the rest of the geometry in, in the you world. You mean like your teacups ride is registered separately, or like what? yeah, you, well, you no, basically. So like there there are rides mm-hmm. that are prefabs, and then there are buildings which are like custom um, things that you make out of other prefabs. So okay. like it's basically like a weird game engine hierarchy thing that you're assembling, but the game just kind of says, okay, this is, now that you're like, placing a prefab, this is like building 32. So what's an, what, what's an example of what you can do with that? Because I still not entirely understand sure. what you're saying. I mean, you can basically do anything with it. Okay, so that's like, not helpful. Well, I'm just, <laughs> so you can, you can place a wall, right? Uh-huh. And then start cobbling things onto it. Um, and then that, so once you start doing that, it says, okay, this is building 20. And then um, you can take basically anything in inside of the game that is that is just a piece of geometry or like a like a um, like an animated like figure or something, 
And then uh, as you're placing that, like you can place that halfway across the map and it's still part of that building. Okay. And then you can duplicate those things in the way that you could like within Maya. Okay. And then you can place them in like a prefab folder. And so basically you're just creating like chunks, chunks of stuff. Crazy. That is, that it ba- like, so the difference between this game and something like Roller Coaster Tycoon is that you can create facades, which is like what an actual theme park is. Those, those park do is they like. have mechanical properties? Like do they get judged on aesthetics or anything? Or is it more just like you're, is that just, I, I'm not, I I'm not yeah, saying yeah, that because yeah. I want it. I'm saying right. just like, I'm, I'm curious. I don't, like, I don't know if the, th- like they now, it's one of the things they just added is that people like have thoughts and they have needs and stuff. Right. I don't know if they're judging based off of that stuff. Um, I just haven't been able to but observe like, that. But, but the system you're describing, so Jake was asking for an exam- for examples, and I think the system you're describing is what allowed you to, say, create a castle facade for your roller coaster where your yes. roller, right, coaster the roller coaster could then go through, through it. the castle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, basically, like, within... So, yeah, I have a roller coaster that's going through this castle. That castle, though, is a separate building the roller coaster itself is not really part of that thing, which means that you can just like, uh, b- like basically you can just click on anything in 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 the world that's not like a ride, mm-hmm. and it's just entirely separate from those rides, and they can collide. Uh, yeah, the fact that you can intersect a roller coaster track through a building, right, is hardcore because that's what would let you conceivably make, but the haunted mansion or yeah, whatever. But right? then there's a third layer, which okay. is that. It's you can then go into like advanced movement mode, and it just turns into Maya, where you just have the rotational like like full rotational controls and just you know everything that you would have within. Like, oh, so a instead 3D of just plopping buildings like you do in SimCity, you can actually start placing geometry around. Yeah, and the, the, the other thing that the, that building, um, the, the, like the way the prefab thing works, is you have a couple of different controls in terms of how like new pieces operate. So like you can have them snap to the building faces, mm-hmm. or you can not. And then just have things like intersecting and just you know just creating weird cobbled structures, um, yeah. It's, For your Tim Burton theme park, yeah. Uh, and then they have a whole other thing, which is um, like there there are buildings, and then there's like scenery, and the scenery has like uh, like special effects and things. So you can basically just go in and place like particle effects and like new light sources and shit like that. So like I just made. Um, like there's a prefab that's just like a crazy spooky witch's tower or something. Like it's like a it's like a tree with like a like a house on top of it, and then there's like an animated little witch at the bottom of it. And I was like, okay, well that's fine, but like it doesn't look that spooky. And so I, I took a bush and placed the <laughs> like bush. Brecken's not scared. Yeah. Well, I, well, so I, I took a um, a spotlight, uh, and then you can change the color of the spotlight to like purple or whatever. So I made it purple. I backlit. Spooky. Good I backlit, spooky. I backlit the, mm-hmm. good, the good spooky color. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Good purple spooky light. And I, I backlit the the tree in the way that I wanted it to. So I got a nice like spooky purple highlight along the tree edge. And then I was like, well, this light's just sitting here. This looks stupid. So then I took a bush and put it in front of the light, and it hides the light perfectly. And like that's a simple example of like the shit that you can do in this game that you couldn't possibly right, do. Right. So that's actual right? like theme park design. It's actual theme oh, park design. Is. I was. You can, can drop you, the can camera you, uh, down and <laughs> yeah. Go. Can you place? Audio sources that you then have to hide inside plastic rocks. Can you record yourself going? Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. I think there are audio sources. I doubt there's a custom one, but I bet somebody mods that in because I'm sure they're yeah. going to just open this up to Steam Workshop, which is going to make all of this stuff insane. Um, the feature that that uh, I, as a person who does not care about video game mechanics, desires the most is to <laughs> have a first person walking controller and just stroll around my you, fucking I, park. That exists. That's all. All I want is to and, just walk and, around and yeah. then get on a ride. Yeah, and every ride you can just snap to like the seat. You can snap to the oh, first man. seat. 
You can you can have like basically any view that that oh, ride so you can, would have. You can choose if you get if if your roller coaster is one where the first seat or the back seat is the better ride. <laughs> right. You know, sometimes it's better to ride yeah, in the back of a. Sometimes it gives you the bigger bumps. Um, yeah, like I realized I dropped the camera down. I was just building like a really quick park last night, just you know slapping something together. I dropped the camera down to see like what my people were seeing, and like you know because it's just a barren plot in a game engine. It's just like miles of like nothing. Right. Yeah, of course. And so like I'm like, oh my god, this is like the worst park ever. This is so depressing. There's just like nothing over there outside so of the core. Outside of the actual yeah. like walking path and just right. like the few like you know like cool things I'd placed along the path. That like their yeah. actual sightline was just garbage. And so I was like, all right, well I guess I'm gonna have to fix this. So then I just took like a billion different types of trees yeah. and built an actual like you know tunnel. Such that when right. the, and and then I that's just, like the secret oh, thing it's that just Disneyland what you do when you have to make a Disneyland have right all those trees yeah and and well and also just like think about like what people are, like I made that castle facade and I was like well I guess I can just hide the front of this and then once they get through it I don't really care if like this over here looks mm-hmm. like shitty or whatever because it doesn't you know whatever they're not going to actually see this back corner so it's fine it looks like garbage but it's okay um, yeah it's crazy it just turns you it like this game is more clearly more tilted towards just um like creating interesting designs versus yeah. an actual like video like an actual like hardcore like right. simulation game right it which also makes it really unique the, that the things you're describing also feel like at least the aesthetic concerns when designing a first person single player video game yeah Oh yeah, I was it's thinking a, about that. I was like, oh yeah, this is this is like what you have to think about when you're making like a Skyrim or a Firewatch or something. Like one of those, one of those two. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, or like Doom, probably less with Doom. Well, yeah, well, probably like Doom in that they can't look; those people aren't looking up ever. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, it does so many things that are really good that I I don't think anybody's thought of in the genre yet. Like they, I mentioned on Twitter, but like the. People walking into your park, this is a really simple thing, but most simulation games don't ever think about something like this, but people walking into your park aren't just like single people. It's not just like one person over here or one person over it's there. It's not just a particle like, cloud of humans. Yeah, right. like yeah. there's like fa- like families and they talk, They like the animations are really good and they, they talk to each other as they're walking mm-hmm. down the street and then there's like a group of like three bro friends who are like 12. And it's just like all the stuff and then like, they don't have the collision. Small clusters of yet. drunk adults wearing only memorabilia from your <laughs> theme park. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Um, do, uh, do you you'll know that they've hit the fully accurate simulation when there are like really depressing secret geek weddings happening in the dark <laughs> corners right, of your right. park when exactly. people sneak in to yeah, get why married? Why is everybody wearing a tux today? This is weird. <laughs> when yeah. there's when you, when they when organically huge just like oceans of strollers develop in like, <laughs> right, certain areas yo, with a lot yeah. of space, and uh-huh. then just like sad single parents standing by them while the other parent with the kid is on a ride. <laughs> Yep. That's when that stuff just starts happening like organically through the systems, you know that's when Yeah. They've when when the park opens and people just run to the rides to get their fast passes and then just stand <laughs> around for ten hours just yeah. like, uh well God, if you could simulate <laughs> opening hours, just yeah. have bored people in lines outside yeah. the park until it's open. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. That sounds cool. So it's Planet Coaster and it's on Steam in early access right now. Yeah. All right. Yep. You guys want to take a break? I do. Sure. Video games. This episode of Vital Thumbs is brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron sends directly to your home every week a box full of ingredients and recipes allowing you to create delicious dinners. 
in your own kitchen. A delicious dinner. A delicious dinner. It's really cool. It's a really cool service. They send you everything you need to make the meal. It all comes in a sort of refrigerated cardboard box. Uh, I had one of my favorite blue weeks of Blue Apron ever um, a week or two ago. All three meals were just different and amazing. Um, there was a grilled chicken ramen, which was like fresh noodles, which was which was cool. They weren't just dried noodles, um, and beans and tomatoes and chicken and and uh, it was super good. Then there was this Basque style lamb and beef piperade. I guess I don't even know how to say it, but they're basically these like sort of flattened meatballs that had uh, like breadcrumbs and and this like garlic rice preparation and sweet peppers it was they were so delicious and then there was a seared cod and summer succotash uh that same week which had a fascinating garnish which was pickled grapes wow yeah i'd never done this before you slice up the grapes you just spend like 10 minutes pickling them in mm-hmm. some light vinegar and you garnish the dish with it with them at the end and it gives it this great like sweet kind of pickly vibe just just the best. It's just great. I just learned, I'm learning all, like the cool thing about it is one, you get the good meals, but you also just l- get ideas of just interesting uh, ingredients and preparations. And if you go to blueapron.com slash idle, that's blueapron.com slash idle. Just mixing can, it up. Just mixing it up. You can get your first three meals free with free shipping. So what have you got to lose? Nothing. BlueApron.com slash idle for your first three meals free. Thanks, Blue Apron. Video games. This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Indochino. Indochino provides made-to-order suits for you. Uh, you provide your measurements, and they will produce a suit that fits you, and they will mail it to you. Now, if you go to Indochino.com, that's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Dot com and enter the code IDLE at checkout, you can get any premium suit for just $399. Nice. That is up to 50% off normal prices. So check it out. They also have showrooms in a number of cities, including uh, New York, Boston, San Francisco, Vancouver, um, Beverly Hills, Philadelphia, and then several Canadian cities as well, like Toronto, Ottawa, and Mississauga. Um and on that note, because they have one in San Francisco, we are going to go in there and uh, get. <laughs> we're going to go in there. We're going to go in there. We're going to get our going to get a suit. <laughs> well, we're going to get measured for a suit. We're oh, going to yeah, go right. do a fitting. Right. But even if they don't have a showroom near you, you can still go to their website at Indochino.com. Just remember to use that uh, that promo code, uh, which is Idle. Sorry, we're going with Idle now. It's like our thing. It's our new code. It's our new code sometimes. Sometimes. Indochino.com with the promo code IDLE. We will report back with our results. Hopefully looking dapper as fuck. Oh, that's true. We should take pictures as well. Yeah. 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 Oh, I mean once we're just once we're all in the near future, we'll always just wear a, a yeah. full three piece suit. You'll when be able recording to hear it on the podcast because we'll we'll come through feeling more confident and authoritative. I think it'll be obvious. We won't even have to say that we're wearing new suits. Readers, listen for the future episode in which you <laughs> think we are all wearing suits. Yeah. You can look as nice as we sound by going to Indochino.com. Dot com. Use the offer code IDLE. Yes. For up to 50% off 
You can get any premium suit for three hundred ninety nine dollars. Remember, that is a made to order suit. Get on that. Wear it. Live get it. in it. Get in it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Indochino. Video games. Hey. I Whoa! Wanna, I want to mm. mention. I want to mention one game before we get into reader mail. This is a. This is a. a an iOS game that was kind of going around. I saw a couple of people mention it on Twitter without a lot of context. Uh, and I just downloaded it because it was free. It's a free ad supported game. Um, and so there, the risk was pretty low. This game is called hidden. My game by mom. Um, that, that is just, I'll repeat <laughs> That's that a good name. Hidden my game by mom. Yeah. And so th- this game is, this is a, yeah. Uh, kind of like a hidden object game, I suppose, is the genre you would call this, which is not really something I'd ever actually played before. It's sort of like a very simple puzzle game where you are given a series of levels in a room and you have to find... I don't know if this is actually what hidden object games are like normally, but it seems like maybe they are. Uh, The premise of this game is that you are a kid and your mother has hidden your portable video game system, which looks like a Nintendo DS. It's a two-screen system that looks exactly like a DS. She's hidden it, and for every one of these 30 levels, you have to find out where it is. On the first level, it's just, I don't know, it's like in a cupboard or something, and you open it up, and you click on it, and that's you tap it, and that's it. It's easy. And then as the game goes on, it gets more and more convoluted. But the thing about this game is that it's kind of... It's ostensibly sort of a puzzle or hidden object game, but it actually in reality is basically a gag game. As the game progresses, the levels essentially become increasingly weird delivery devices for just strange humor and funny scenarios in a way that I don't even want to describe because it's just, they're so quick. You know, each level takes you about like a minute um, and it's just, it just, the game keeps topping itself in a really good way, which makes me think that the, so this game was developed by a Japanese developer. And so you might think the title is like an unintentional kind of awkward translation, but now I don't even know if that's necessarily true because the sense of humor of the game is so off kilter that I kind of wonder if the title is intentionally sort of um goofy and weird goofy and weird yeah. just in the spirit of the game itself yeah so the 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 one element of sort of challenge in the game is that if you is that if you if your mother appears you lose the level and you have to start over and the ways in which your mother can appear get increasingly good and dumb okay yeah so i th- that's it that's all i really need to say about this game because to say more would be pointless because you can just download it for free if you have an iOS device. I don't know if it's on Android as well, uh, but it's it is hidden my game by mom exclamation point. Before we get into reader mail, we should quickly talk about Multi Bowl, which was oh, our true. which was our stream from this last weekend. Yeah, Multi Bowl. Uh, Multi Bowl is a is a uh, it's a video game <laughs> by <laughs> by oh man I've forgotten the second person's name uh, Bennett Foddy, who you may know from Quap. Or GURP or Sports Friends, uh, Super Pole Riders. Um, he worked with a person, a, another designer programmer whose name I can't remember, which makes me uh, a jerk. <laughs> but um, it, it's basically it's a, it's taking the entirety of two player gaming 
and turning it into WarioWare. It's it's wild. Uh, Multiple. AP Thompson is the a- other AP Thompson, developer. Right. Um, Multiple is a modified version of MAME that he uh, and AP Thompson have loaded up with a ton of ROMs, but they've gone in and just picked little slices of them so it plays like WarioWare, um, except that instead of it being a bunch of challenges made up by Nintendo, it's just like you're playing Sprint, you're playing uh, NBA Jam, you're playing a fighting game. and you're playing Dr. Mario. You're playing Dr. You're, Mario. You're, you're playing yeah. just any... It's actually, I didn't even think about what we were playing it, but it's a little bit like NES Remix. It's like NES Remix as well. Yeah, where it, yeah mm. it is very much like NES Remix. Yeah. Um, where you'll just be suddenly dropped in to the middle of uh, the, like the arcade game Rampage, and both your characters are uh, grabbing onto buildings, and it just puts text up saying, the first person to touch the ground loses. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to have this experience with a bunch of old real ROMs, and it clearly running on top of MAME, because like... One of the things that when I uh, when like game emulation first started showing up like decades ago now I guess uh, I remember being shocked by the fact that emulators could write out the memory of a game and you could instantly restore like you know when when I was replaying Super Metroid on an emulator I didn't bother to use the games in game save points because the emulator could just literally restore to the frame that I was last on and multi bowl uses that as like the the hooks for how its actual game design works like using mame as this superstructure to just drop two players into the middle of any game and then they're clearly looking inside of the way that those old arcade and console roms are writing to memory to figure out okay which bit flips when someone scores a dunk in NBA jam okay wait for that to change and then award the player a point um it's a game that I'm sure will never be released publicly because it's basically just a festival of piracy. Uh, I mean, it's just like, you know, it's pe- <laughs> it's people just digging into the guts of a, yeah. of decades and decades of actual commercial video games, then just giving you these little like remixed slices that are at most ninety seconds long. But um, I hope that it shows up at as many events as it possibly can. Um, if you want to watch us play it, we streamed it for a few hours over the weekend. So the, um, the archive video is now up on youtube.com slash idle videos. Uh, or if you want to watch the Twitch chat explode, it's also on, uh, our highlights at twitch.tv slash idle thumbs. Um, it's one of those weird, <laughs> small, <laughs> small experimental things that just, yeah. uh, Never shows up publicly as much as you as it could, but I'm really glad that it exists. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. Also, yeah. Also, it's really fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we should we should play more of it. Yeah, that seems like a thing that would be good to just sort of. God, everyone has to watch it just to watch any of the games that show up that involve stick waggling or button mashing <laughs> oh to complete God. in because waggling. especially when Chris and Nick were playing, it was Chris, Nick, me, and uh, and Ollie Moss were playing. Uh, in rotation, but man, when Chris and Nick got into button mash competitions, the facial expressions made were very good. I hate those. I love them. So, I, but I like I watching like your I, face when you're hating it. It's such a horrible example of feeling like I'm trying as hard as I can possibly try, and I and I still won't succeed. Yeah, it's it's much like, much like the Olympics, Chris. Uh, <laughs> what? Which which? Well, all all of this is really. I mean, like you know, I remember playing the what NES Olympics, mm-hmm. which was like you know you had you could either use the controller or use the stupid like crazy like eight button uh, like floor pad. 
Uh, uh, so you you could cheat in one of two different ways. You could try and just like button mash on the controller, or you could slap your hands on, on the, the power pad, pad instead of yeah. instead of actually running. But like that's that that's like you know I mean yeah. like those games are stupid and bad, but like they're also yeah they they do like kind of like give you a portal into the mind. I guess of that's like, true because if you're at the if you're at the Olympics, oh, you're man. at such the peak. Of yeah. what humans You're can doing, do, but only one person can yeah. be the actual and by like a hundredth of a second, right. by like this much on the bar, yeah. like n- almost nothing. Yeah, which is like what it's like to play that, where you see like you're just like this much behind, and you can't go any further. And I further just can't. Just, I cannot push yeah, my body. Yeah, physically, any you're further. just done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yep. Once again, Bennett Foddy <laughs> manages. to... I mean, he didn't create those games, but right. but <laughs> managed to get to some elemental notion of what it means to be a human being true. through a video game. Who is sad at the Olympics? That's true. Bennett Foddy, separately, unrelated to his his work as the co-creator of Multibowl, has an amazing every two-year, I mean, you know, I guess biannually tradition when the Olympics comes on, which is to tweet photographs of athletes crying, (laughs) which is, I mean, it's really bad, but also very good. Oh, he seems to, he derives the best pleasure from their tears. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. When all that I knew him was as was the guy who made Quop, that fit so well in my oh, mental yeah. image of that guy. <laughs> <laughs> like developer of Quop only tweets photos of crying athletes. Yeah. <laughs> well, doing some mail, doing some reader mail. Yeah, we can do some reader mail. Let's read mail from you, the readers. If you want to write us uh, a reader mail for us to read, you can write it to questions at idlethumbs.net and Chris will read it. All right, so from Nick West, here we go. Speaking of athletes, uh, Nick West says, on last week's episode, someone referred to the Dota 2 competitors as e-athletes. I think that was Jake, probably. I suggest these fine humans be called athletes. <laughs> <laughs> I used it in multiple sentences, and it has not failed to make me laugh. Thanks, Thumbs, your athlete from AZ. I thought that, that it was going to be... Proposed that they be called athletes with L three three. Oh my god! <laughs> no, that's what they actually. These said. athletes. Yeah. Yeah, I can only work in text. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. well, that's. Whereas, I guess, who are you going to be talking to about yeah. about athletes in li- in life ever? So, I mean, well, I mean, you can always if you affect the bro- the news broadcast. These athletes. That's true. If you take <laughs> you the local always, news, yeah, <laughs> raise your eyebrows, right. and sort of pointedly tilt your head while maybe glancing but at your athletes, partner next to you. These athletes, right? Also, exactly, is allowed. Yeah. You can yeah. go. Yeah, these athletes. <laughs> That's true. I mean, here alternatively, apply this strategy to all any proper noun. That's mm. true. Mm-hmm. This athlete. <laughs> uh, <laughs> These so-called athletes. With their competitive games. <laughs> Man, that would be an interesting social experiment to see how long until until someone punches you in the face is just to just to Very conduct shortly. your life as a news broadcaster oh, yeah. with that weird cadence where you sort of <laughs> <laughs> they almost operate in the opposite of punctuation, yeah. where sort of they 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 um, commas and periods they sort of they don't acknowledge, but then they insert the commas and periods into all the other places where they wouldn't normally be. Mm-hmm. It's a very strange, weird cadence. I, I'm continually fascinated. You should by read it. that guy's email as a news broadcaster. Oh, that's true. Just give it a shot. See if it works. On last week's episode, someone 
referred to the Dota 2 competitors as e-athletes. I suggest these fine humans be called the silliest thing ever. Ethletes, pronounced ethletes. Okay. <laughs> I used it in multiple sentences and it never failed to make me laugh. Thanks, Thumbs, your ethlete from AZ. It's true. I, could, I do want to punch you in the face. No, 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 but but that's yeah. yeah, that enough. Let's, no, let's not do that. Yeah, no. <laughs> it had its intended result of both <laughs> Nick and I wishing you would shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's see. Um, Simon Neely writes... Hello, was listening to you guys talk about potentially going into No Man's Sky without knowing anything about it and being blown away by the scope. This reminded me of Frog Fractions, which quickly became a very different game. Unfortunately, it is such a big part of the game that it would have been impossible to hide. Where was hiding where is hiding features or content worked well or failed for different games? There must be a sweet spot for giving away info and saving up surprises. Thanks, Simon Neely. You know, I think that actually worked quite well for Frog Fractions because that game was free. And so you could pass it along to people yeah. and go out of your way to say, hey, just play this. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. Just play it because it's free yep. and that's fine. Um, so, so I think even though that was the entire game, I think it actually worked great for the, you know, for like the month when that game was sort of being crazily passed around. Um, I think uh, that was something we very intentionally did with Firewatch. Is that worth talking about at all? Sure. Because yeah. that was like a very specific and like very controlled choice we made. I, I mean... Other than a few clips in the E3 trailer, we never showed anything past the first like 40 minutes. Oh, is that's that what, what you're talking what, about? No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the intro to the game oh. is mechanically different oh, to the oh, entire oh, yeah. rest of the game. And we didn't hint or acknowledge or show any of it until yeah. the game was released. It was actually pretty conscious to not even tell people that what they were seeing in demos wasn't the beginning of the game. Right. We acted as though the section after that was the the beginning of the game when we demoed it and so on. Yep. Um, I think we told maybe one press person about it so that they could just have some context, but then we said, please don't mention this in your write-up. And then we... And uh, yeah, we didn't tell anyone about how that game opened. And I think as a result, it was particularly surprising and effective to pe- for people who played yeah, it. Yeah, people weren't like, oh, there's that twine I heard about. Yeah. Also, we thought it was, at least I thought it was kind of fun to not tell people that there was a twine. <laughs> yeah, on, there's just a choose-your-own-adventure. On its face, that's the beginning of the a game. very benign thing, but uh, yeah. it was... I, I love stuff like that, personally. Yep. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the kind of person who, one, doesn't care about... Well, not doesn't care about, but, like, I don't particularly care about spoilers of the plot variety if people are actually discussing something in depth i'm like okay that's just comes with the territory you have if to be it's able the to... fuel that causes the discussion right yeah. but in my own like watching of movies and playing of games i go out of my way to sort of excuse myself from the sort of preview driven so i guess i guess the way i feel about it is in reviews or in things that are taking into account the entire work i'm totally fine with spoilers, but bef- like in the sort of a year before something's out, I don't like stuff just being sort of drip fed to me. And some of my best experiences, like we went and saw Kubo, which is the new stop motion film by Leica, the studio that made Coraline and Paranorman and the Box Trolls. Uh, we went and saw that movie the other day, and I didn't, I knew literally nothing about it. 
at all. Yeah, I don't like, think I even had seen about the trailer. It. I just I went, whoa, wait, there's yeah. a new Leica movie out? And then I went and right. saw it. Yeah. And it was such a nice experience to just, like, it's it's so nice these days in a world where just, you know, like, obviously there's this massive kind of entertainment preview complex. And it's really nice to be able to just go and experience something cold, which I, I feel like is a, is just similar but slightly different to the notion of spoilers and i i might be splitting hairs and maybe they're not that different but there's like there is something about just sort of like disconnecting yourself from the hype cycle it feels like one feels follows like own thing. one follows the other almost because yeah. like when i when i think about what you're saying about kubo and how that relates to modern movie marketing it feels like the goal very often at this point is push the characters and the world onto the audience so far in advance that you feel like you're already friends with like you want the ideal audience member of your big entertainment product to feel like they already know and are buddies with the characters before they even get into the thing. Mm-hmm. So then you're like, then the next logical step after that is to also tell them some of the stuff that happens to those characters. So then right. you're like, oh, this is like when Kubo encounters the... It's like, why the hell would you want to know that before you get into the movie? I saw the third Star Trek movie, Star Trek Beyond, and yeah, I, I, I liked it a lot more than I, I thought it. I was going Me to. Me too, yeah. And you see that, Nick? No. The thing that bum me out about it was that the trailer the trailer that made everyone think the movie was going to be a big piece of shit had sabotage by the beastie boys in it cut over a shot of captain kirk riding a motorcycle over a jump and that was the uh everything about that was a bad choice uh because those moments in context in the movie were actually like some of the most yeah, enjoyable totally movies yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway it I don't remember where I was going with that. I also, I just, I also just wished I hadn't known that that song was going to be. That's in what it. I mean. I wish I it would have been a total God. surprise. I wished I hadn't known the song was coming back, and I wished that I had not just had my first impression be an explosion and a guy on a motorcycle. In some <laughs> ways, that is like the. I don't know. I'm assuming the sabotage thing was a joke in the movie. Was that was that no, a joke? It wasn't no. a joke. Oh, okay. My mind was well. Just, it was. It was. It was also a joke. It was. A, I mean, it, on top in, of the, it's, in the movie, it is a yeah. knowing callback to right, 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 right. to the f- scene in the first movie where he steals yeah. his dad's car and my plays least, Beastie yeah. Boys. My least favorite example of this stuff, actually, like even more so than plot elements, is when a specific joke that would have landed a huge laugh in the theater is completely spoiled in the trailer. That's a, that's and then the, you sit in the theater and everybody has the same like reaction. For, yeah. Well, it's not even just that. It's that like it lands and then everybody goes, oh, that's weird. Like Nobody else is laughing as much. Oh, because they all saw it in the trailer. And you have to sit there and mentally go through like, oh, yeah, because it's in the trailer. That's, that's been the and problem. It's like a with, multi, that's yeah. the problem with trailers ever oh, since a trailer has existed, though, I feel that's like. That's true, but it also is my just, oh, I hate that moment. Ugh. It's such a gross moment. <laughs> Anyway. The best feeling is to see part of a trailer that you like and go, oh, this movie is going to be good, and then, and then do your, and then don't pay attention to any of that stuff forever. It's very hard to do. It seems it like some do. directors had a greater control over the marketing of their films, maybe even up until like the early 2000s. And at this point, it's just like, pfft, no way. Like, you're done. Do the Coen brothers it still cut their own the trailers? Movie. The Coen brothers bet, used to they always do. edit they, their They own probably stuff. can, but but I think for like big event films or even like something like an animated, yeah, I know, an animated feature at this point, I just think. I know like with that Star no Trek way. Beyond trailer, Simon Pegg showed up on the internet and was like, sorry, everyone. Yeah. yeah don't look He's just apologizing for it. It was like straight up just don't watch I mean, this. Like, it's like, it's, it yeah. actually is bad. But like, mm-hmm. I can remember, um, like, like, I guess, I guess I'm thinking of things like Spielberg film, like, like Jurassic Park. The first trailer for that was nothing. Like, and they didn't even show dinosaurs. Oh, I don't even remember what There it were was. no dinosaurs in that stupid trailer. There was just oh, nothing. That's the best. That makes me and so like, wistful. Up to, up to, <laughs> saying that? up to even like, I think, uh, War of the Worlds, there was no tripod shot in any of the trailers for that film and I remember thinking at the time like wow th- this is 2005 this I thought is the thing that that trailer weird. are you sure because the, tra- the trailer had the shot of the 
we're getting into this here, but the trailer that I, I believe with almost complete certainty had the shot of them driving away at full speed as the freeway collapses behind them. Yes, and but you don't see the tripod. You okay. see the explosions. <laughs> the actual thing was not in any of that marketing. And I remember thinking, wow, this is like, we're in the middle of the 2000s and this guy fucking somehow pulled this off. And that's the last time I can it's remember really that It's really weird that happening. you thought, wow, we're in the middle of the 2000s. Well, I did, though, because at the time it was just like, it was already clear. Like You're saying right, that, that now that trailer done. would be... Oh, yeah. In time. It would be, yeah, it would be... Oh, it, would be, it would be a rhythmic... Oh, it would be that, but then it would... And then, the, yeah. like, and then you hit the triplets. It would, yeah. it would be, it would be clunk, yeah, clunk, yeah, clunk, yeah, and yeah. then it would be... Which would be yeah. for, like laser, 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 explosion, jump guy. Because yeah. right now every trailer has to be rhythmically timed to the yeah. event that is and occurring inside big, of it. And then one big, and then a little tinkly piano. Right. <laughs> I'm right. so fucking sick of that stupid tinkly piano. <laughs> Cut it out, movie people. They Stop can't, it. They can't. Uh, Stop. Stop. They, love they it. can't. You've done it so much. That one guy who out. only knows how to do that is going to be out of work if you. Once that started happening <laughs> to Star Wars, I know some people love that in that, but I hate it. I hate the tinkly piano. It would have been fine if just one movie did it. It would have been clever. Once that's they all how, do that's it, that's not how it works. It's not Chris, clever that's not, anymore. That's not, we've gone off of three right. different subjects. But okay. Remember, remember the the stop with the piano. Remember the two or three years when the girl with the dragon tattoo uh, trailer was every trailer. Where there was just no. like, oh, what? What? Well, you have to be more specific. It was. That. It was the, the the trailer was just like a driving drum beat and huge title card, then a shot, oh, then a huge title right. card. Yeah, and it, it was like. And I the first time you saw that, it was like cool and surprising. Yeah, and then every and then, trailer yeah. for two years. But now we're in the tinkly piano Jurassic yeah. World slash Star Wars episode seven and the like. Every trailer. Anyway, uh, it's that one's so weird because it it yeah. Oh, it's everywhere. The klaxon, yeah, it's everywhere. Every trailer can't resist. It's just the alien thing. Yeah. Anyway, (sighs) we hate everything. (laughs) We're grumpy. (laughs) Uh, Jesse writes. Just started watching the RimWorld video Jamestown series. Okay, the RimWorld video Jamestown series, and I noticed. So this is in reference to... The RimWorld video James yeah, Bond series. Um, this is this email for context is in reference to God. the email the uh, story I told two weeks ago about the beautiful chair, the beautiful piece of art steel chair that was created with an image of Nick Brecken retching, if, if you remember that. And if not, go back and listen to it. Anyway, so Jesse writes, just started watching the RimWorld video James Bond series, and I noticed that Nick actually vomits a lot. Pause at one hour, 38 minutes, 10 seconds in the first video for an example. Very often, there will just be multiple piles of Nick's puke all around the base. Gross. <laughs> Jesse from San Diego. Okay. So I guess we I guess we now know why the artist chose oh, yeah. to depict Nick Brecken barfing on the back of a chair. It was clear to me. It was, <laughs> it was just such a common event. Yeah. What would be emblematic of our, our fine colony? Well, this happens all the time. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. thanks for listening to Idle Thumbs. Thanks for listening to us gripe about shit for an hour. Next, next week will probably be less complainy, I bet. But uh, you, if you for some reason enjoy this podcast and would like to recommend it to a friend, please do so. Or complain it, about it to a friend. Or complain about it to a friend <laughs> in, a, in a way that maybe is endearing and enticing. Right. Uh, please do. It helps us out a lot. If you would like to leave us a review on iTunes and be more positive than we were on this episode... Uh, you can do that on iTunes, and that helps us out a lot as well. 
We're on Twitter at twitter.com slash idle thumbs on Facebook at facebook.com slash idle thumbs. You can send us reader mail. We didn't read a lot of reader mail this week, but we'll probably read more next week. Questions. We're too busy complaining. We're too busy complaining. Yes. Questions at idle thumbs.net. Um, we stream, hopefully we're going to get back into streaming games more frequently. We've had very busy weeks for various reasons recently. Um, but twitch.tv slash idle thumbs is our Twitch channel. And actually we, I don't think we've mentioned this yet on a podcast. We recently unlocked two more Twitch chat emotes. We now have amazing little tiny faces of Steve Hotscoops Gainer and Doug Tobacco, longtime idle thumbs web host, engineer, general tech guy, and also co-star of The Walking Dead Season 1. That's true. Doug, you may have failed to save him. Uh, he is now also in our Twitch chat for subscribers, uh, along with Steve and all the rest of us. dubious and generally displeased. He's very dour about which, what's going which on, not, which is a good emote to it's have. It's a good emote to have. It's very not representative of Doug. No, Doug is actually like the most pleasant person person you could meet but the one time he looked really displeased it was then frozen and turned <laughs> into a twitch emoji yeah so when when nick or i do something really obnoxious in a game you can, you summon can spam doug. us with dugs yeah uh so anyway that's a twitch.tv slash idle thumbs and then all of those playthroughs go up on youtube at youtube.com slash idle videos you can watch our recent multi-bowl stream you can catch up on my RimWorld streams been a while since nick streamed anything but uh maybe that will change soon i don't know You'll have to find out. You've got to keep Planet Coaster from overloading your CPU so we can stream it. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty rough. All right, man. That was a lot of stuff. Uh, well, thanks for listening. Talk to you all next week. Bye. See you, Chris. Bye. See you next week, Chris. Bye. Bye forever, Jake. You know when people squint their eyes to look dubious? Do you think that's like any kind of intrinsic human behavior? Or do you think people only do that because they learned it from like cartoons? I think it came from probably cartoons, but also, I mean, I think the place that it came from as a person who should wear glasses more often is, <laughs> yeah. I, I am not certain oh, if it does actually. It, so does. it came from a more literal place. Of yeah. Like, of like, I'm literally not certain what I'm seeing. Yeah. I'm yeah. trying to see it. Yeah. And then that ends up reading as like, I'm kind of philosophically not sure about this whole thing. Right. Even though yeah, your I, eyes I have nothing to do with like seeing to, like, yeah. am, I, am I seeing what I believe has turned into like, mm. Yeah. I bet there's a lot of facial expressions that we have basically internalized from cartoons in that way. Mm-hmm. Where the cartoon is like the sort of extrapolation of it that sort of serves as shorthand for a thing people don't actually do, but it seems convincing. And now we just all do it because we've spent like a century looking Which at probably also like came Bugs from Bunny do it outrageous like stage acting oh yeah vaudeville and, like, and mm. yeah that's true yeah <laughs> I bet that's true you're right huh I wonder if there's a field of study of that like linguistics that studies that <laughs> sorry I just made dubious eyes at Jake <laughs> oh just on the podcast yeah it would be oh. It would be it would be a rhythmic oh it would be that but then it would and then, be, yeah. like, and then you'd the hit the triplets it would, yeah. it would be it would be clunk yeah, clunk yeah, yeah. clunk and then it would be, which would be yeah. four, like laser 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 explosion jump guy and then one big and then a little tinkly piano. <laughs> <laughs>